And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Time to talk finances with Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Good how, afternoon. How are you, mate? All right? I'm really well. I'm a lot right. healthier than the share market. Let me put it that way. And <laughs> That's not hard this week. <laughs> just, I just checked today's close of the share market, yeah. and apparently today the share market lost 179.5 points on yep. the ASX 200, yep. which is apparently 2.9%. That's got to be, even amongst all the losing days of the last couple of weeks, Big. that's one of the biggest yeah, ones. It is. It is. Um, and that was really led by the US being off several hundred yep. points last night. Um, and obviously the talk that we're seeing at the moment around where this virus could go, and not so much the virus as such, but the economic impact and our reliance on China yep. and the potential for a reduction in earnings from a range of different sectors in the market. And it's not just China anymore because there are other countries affected and that means mm. global trade slows down yeah, look, and exactly. it's all interconnected. Yep, look, and at the end of the day, you know, with, with technology and everything that we have going on at the moment, we live in a very, very integrated world um, and the reach and the impact of this is really starting to get some momentum. Now, over the last, uh, let me think, about 12... 11 or yeah, 11. The last 11 trading days, only two of them showed an increase in the market. Every other mm-hmm. day was down. So yep. obviously the overall trend is not very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Is it time for people to start worrying about their investments and, and including about their superannuation, which generally has uh, a large shareholding as, its, as a component? Yeah, look, um, I think this is very much a case-by-case thing. People need to keep in mind that superannuation is a long-term structure and... I say that to those that listen and say, oh, but I'm 65 and maybe long-term isn't what I thought it was. Well, it still is because I classify long-term as anything that's, you know, eight to ten years. Mm -hmm. And you could argue five plus. Um, And if we look back at the GFC through 08 and 09 at the rate of fall and then the rate of recovery, one of the biggest things people need to keep in mind is jumping out's one thing. But what are you jumping into? Yes. Because we just saw the cash rate get cut to 0.5. You're lucky to be getting one and maybe late ones in relation to TDs. And obviously, if things do bounce, you don't get any capital growth from a term deposit. So the reason we've seen the market get very expensive towards the back end of last year is I think a lot of people have been running away from cash. Yes. And that's completely understandable because people have a certain lifestyle they want to maintain if they're retired. They have certain expenses. You've got electricity, heat, cars, kids, travel, food, and everything else that, that, that adds up very quickly when you do a budget. Um, and earning, you know, one to one and a half percent in a term deposit isn't going to get that done for you, which could mean that you're eating into your capital value, which a lot of people don't like to do, and and longevity is a very big concern for a lot of people. So we've seen a flight to income-producing assets. Yeah, Um, people chasing uh, dividends in particular, and, of course, there's no secret. There are some companies on the stock exchange you can get a dividend that's 5% or better uh, on some of them. But here's the crunch. We see a downturn like at the moment. It doesn't matter what the dividend is, you're losing money. (laughs) That's right. And, And I guess another thing that people need to keep in mind as well when they're looking at these negative trading days is that the income of an asset is not directly correlated to its share price. And what I mean by that is this. If we take CBA, for example, okay, we just pick a bank through the Royal Commission. CBA traded pre-Royal Commission at 85. Yes. At a low point through the middle of the Royal Commission, I think it may have hit 60. Yeah. And then... 
the Royal Commission ended, people stopped talking about it, and we saw it rally up to $90. Now, through that entire period of time, with a share price movement of, you know, what's that, 20% or more, um, they continued to pay a dividend of $4.30 per share. Yes. So my point I'm making here is don't make the assumption that because the share price is off, automatically the dividend is coming off. A dividend is a function of profit and earnings. So if the fallout of the coronavirus is, well, you know, certain sectors are losing revenue, for example, um, the travel sector. Yes. Travel sector education, these areas that have been directly impacted by China and our reliance on China, um, you could expect a reduction in earnings going forwards. But you can't make the assumption that your dividend will fall just because the share price has. So that's something to keep in mind for people. That's not to say dividends can't come off. Okay, and and if profits fall, then the chances are the dividends look, will too. Correct. And that's that's where if you're going to go and buy these sorts of things and people say, well, am I buying now? Yeah, look, I'm happy to say we're having a nibble. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't go and throw all my powder at things given what's going on. Um, having been a lot younger and, and gone through the GFC, the temptation here is to pull the trigger on things too early. Yes. Um, and I think people need to keep in mind that you need to bring it back to some fundamentals. And, and, and as we've said on the show many, many times, what's your why? Mm. Why are you doing it? Are you buying something for income? Are you having a punt on the capital price? Are you buying something that's fixed interest? Are you buying something with a five-year view? You know, so you could take some travel stocks at the moment that have been battered beyond belief. Now, is that company fundamentally in trouble? Probably not. In five years' time, if you bought something for $8 and you looked in the portfolio in two years and it was twelve you'd be over the moon. And people that are a lot smarter than me have always used that adage of be fearful when people are greedy mm. and be greedy when people are fearful. Now, that's easy to say. It's a lot harder to do when you're pulling the trigger on something and, you know, we're seeing multiple negative trading days and, and there's concern and the unknown and all these other things that, that are, are X-factor-like events, which yeah. have really just pulled our market back to probably just a fairer value because, as I say, that demand for income has pushed prices and supply and demand whenever you buy something, the more demand there is, obviously, the higher the price goes. People have been paying overs for probably, you know, six to eight months on yeah. stocks that didn't have the earnings to support them. So I, I think it's, it's, it's a good and a bad thing, depending yeah. on which side of the fence you're on. And the underlying question, as always, is, is this a sound company and what are its future prospects, regardless hmm. of what today's share price might be? A terrific example of that is uh, a stock that did very badly during the GFC. If you had shares in Macquarie Bank, they got down below $20 at one point. Yeah. Today, yeah. well, not today, I don't know what they are today, but recently they've been well over $130. Yeah, look, so exactly. that's a huge huge difference over a period of, okay, it's been a decade, but uh, um, the turnaround happened fairly quickly after the GFC and they became very profitable again very quickly. And this is is where I I guess I preface anything by saying you need to remember that as long as you buy good quality things, they will be here. You know, we saw the GFC and having gone through that with clients, that was a horrible event. Yes. Um, and there were a different range of factors, obviously, that caused that. And But we, what we did see was if people had jumped out because uh, it was too much for them or they didn't have someone to talk to or they didn't understand their asset allocation or whatever the reason was, 
they missed out on some significant upside yes. in a very short period of time, which actually negated a lot of the pain and suffering that they were experiencing in the middle of the event. Because I can remember, like it was yesterday, March mm. 2019, yes. the world was going to open up and we were all just going to sink into the, into, into the ground. Like it was, it was pretty dire. Mm. Um, and then you come off the back of it. And I think people need to keep in mind how you feel about risk the assets that you hold, and also the benefits of diversification. So if we hear someone on the news tomorrow morning go, oh, we've seen X trillion dollars wiped off the stock market, bring it back to a percentage. Okay, it was off 2.9. Are you scared about 2.9? Are you scared about 12 trillion? You know, journalists do a very good job of sensationalising things. That's not to say that they're not important, but we need to bring it back to put it in perspective. If something's off 2.9, okay, not great. What we saw this week was we saw a down day and then the next day we saw it jump 1.5. Yeah. Now. This is an interesting point too because the current event is, although it might have some things that are reminiscent of the GFC, it's different causes, it's a different situation. And what we're seeing at the moment is extreme volatility. So in the last couple of weeks, the trend has certainly been downwards, Mm -hmm. but the ups have also been very big ups on the days Mm -hmm. that they've occurred. So, and according to a piece I was reading earlier today, we should expect to see that volatility continue for some time until we come to a better understanding of how the coronavirus threat is going to be overcome. So this might go on for some weeks or even months yet that we're yep. seeing volatility in the market. So I yep. guess the really important question there is, is there a way of making the most of that volatility? Yeah, look, I, I think you're spot on. I think this is going to continue. And I, I think the general investment markets have become, I guess, a, a, as a community, or as a society, we've become a little bit complacent because we've come off the back of a 10-year bull run. Yeah, You know, we've seen markets run very, very well. We haven't had to deal with a lot of volatility. Uh, you know, we saw Trump up interest rates December before last. We saw their market come off 15 20%. We rallied back, you know, portfolios from a balanced growth, so 70% growth. We're doing, you know, 20 20% plus for 12 months to January and February. Okay, we're coming off a low base, but it's important to understand that this is an opportunity to buy good quality companies. Yes. Um, you know, and, and again, obviously, I preface this by it's not advice, but you look at something like a Sydney airport, mm-hmm. okay, trading over $9 not a couple of weeks ago, probably low sevens today. Now, what do they do? Yes. They rent shops. Yes. They park cars. Yes. They charge planes to go up and down. Yes. Now, if I think the stat a couple of months back was they make $212,000 a day mm-hmm. parking cars. Yeah. So, again, if you're looking for companies that are very resilient and have an annuity or reoccurring income style, things like infrastructure assets uh, are going to put you in a very good position thinking longer term. Some other travel companies like Webjet, Corporate Travel, those have suffered a great deal in the last couple of weeks, but Mm. they've been recommended by expert advisors as being solid companies. Mm. Um, So is it likely that once this passes, they will bounce back strongly? Well, look, I think, again, you're going to have areas of the market that are impacted more than others, and obviously travel and education are going to be two that are highly tied to to, to the Chinese economy and, and, and demand. Webjet's a great example, right? Very good company. Mm. But it's highly exposed to what's going on at the moment. Yeah. And that shock and awe factor is going to say, all right, it was a $17 company middle of last year. I think it probably maybe broke through 8 bucks today. Yeah. Now, again, it's not a company you buy for income. It provides a yield of about 1.5%. So if we look at another animal in a different sector, it's similar to a cochlear. 
Mm. Okay, it's a growth asset. Right. It's not an income producer. So some of the ones that we rattled off earlier about moving to high-yielding companies, Webjet's not one of those. No. But it is a good quality company that I think at current prices people could have a nibble at yeah. and say, well, all right, as part of my portfolio, if I wanted to buy 20000 maybe you buy ten. Uh, before we started today, I was telling you about um, an article I read yesterday, and I'm sorry I don't have it with me to quote the exact figures, but it was uh, telling us that uh, short sellers, especially in the United States, have made an absolute killing in the last week or two, mm. in the billions of dollars. Um, but, of course, uh, uh, they're only making up for losses that they made in the previous six months, aren't they? Because mm. short sellers have actually b- been burned badly through the course of that bull market. Yes, look, correct. And, you know, for those out there that don't know what short selling is, it's, it's selling something that you don't have at a price that's agreed in the future. So in other words, I sell something to you at a price and I hope that I can buy it cheaper in the future because yes. I think it's going to go down. Yes. Um, so that's that's in, in basic terms what short selling is and you're exactly right. The market has been overpriced for or fully priced for quite a period of time and for those that have played that hedge or, or, or you know, taken that, that, that punt, um, it's 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 bit them in the bum very quickly. So. Yeah, but in the last couple of weeks they're mm. raking it in because they finally 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 able to cash in on their predictions of doom and disaster. Correct, but also <laughs> liken that to somebody who only tells you about wins on pokies. Yeah, well that's right. Yes, so you're exactly right. Always got to keep it in per- perspective. They're, they're, well, the, the classic example is Tesla. People, the figures that I remember these figures over the last uh, year or so, people of the short sellers have lost over ten billion dollars shorting Tesla, mm. and they've only made back about $1 billion in the last week. So they've got a long way to go before they're in the black. Yeah, look, again, it's, it's, you've got to come back to why have I got it and why am I doing it yeah. and, then, and then build your strategies forward from there. We're talking about the impact of the coronavirus on the markets and the volatility that, they're witness, that we are witnessing at the moment. So, Luke, when we see this kind of volatility, what sort of mistakes do people make? How do they come unstuck? Yeah, look, um, obviously panic's one that is completely understandable. You know, somebody says regularly, you don't know what you don't know. And this <laughs> I is, wonder who that is. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those moments, right? If yeah. you don't have someone to talk to, to just give you some peace of mind, um, then you, you can go out and make some decisions that looking back in, you know, a period of time may, may hurt. Um, I think people need to keep in mind that diversification is, is, is there for a reason. You know, like if, if you see something on the news that says, hey, the ASX is off 10% in the last week, Remember that you do not or probably do not have 100% of your portfolio in Australian equities. Right. So it's very easy to go, oh, I'm off 10%. But when you actually look at your portfolio, and I did this for someone the other day, he said, the market's off 12. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, but you've got cash and you've got some fixed interest and you've got some property, you've got some international, you've got some Aussie equity. You're off four. Mm. Because so it's a big difference. Because different sectors react in different ways, right? So fixed interest and cash are okay. They're not. They're not coming off ten percent. Yeah. Properties held up very, very well. Um, so you know, it's about looking at your assets and understanding the diversity that you have, so that you can actually remain informed and, and not let these things worry you. Um, I think it's also important to remember that if you've bought stuff and there's a capital loss that's in play have a word to your accountant and, and, and be smart about using that because if you sell something at a loss and then you were to say buy it back at today's prices, uh, you can use that carried forward loss forever yes. to then have it in the bank later when things rally to offset capital gains. So, you know, making sure that you, you're aware of your strategic options are, are very, very important. Um, remember that long term is long term. It's not this week. 
It's not next week. It's not the next six months. It's not the next 12 months. It's very easy to lose sight of a longer-term vision through some short-term noise. Because this, like the Greek economy, like the Royal Commission, when people stop talking about it, then people just assume it's over and markets return to normal or more normal levels. Yes. um, And you start to see reduced levels of volatility. I think you're exactly right. We're going to see that that seesawing, you know, for some time to come. Yes. So people need to be prepared to say, all right, we lost one, we made one. We lost one, we made one. We lost two, we made one and a half. I think we're going to see that off the back of news because social media makes everything instantaneous these days. You know, the whole hoarding up of toilet paper I don't get, but, <laughs> you know. It's, yeah, that's look, a, it, could be, it could be an investment because if it really does end up being in short supply, you'll be able to sell it at a tremendous markup. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Wasn't there a truck in Brisbane that was on that fire caught on yesterday? fire, that's right, yeah. Like, exactly. I don't, I don't get that. But, you know, I think don't be emotional. Don't think short term. Review your asset allocation. Um, and if you're going to buy and make the most of these opportunities, buy cautiously. You know, understand why you're buying it. If you're buying for yield, then what I'd do is I'd discount the income. So All if right. I said CBA is paying a dividend of $4.30 and it dropped 10% or 15%, am I happy to buy it if I get less dividend? So you're future-proofing your income if we were to see earnings come under pressure in the future. So that's a good way to, to, to position a portfolio. Make sure you understand what your fixed interest is doing. Obviously, if you're holding term deposits, you're missing out on other opportunities because when I say term deposit, I mean fixed interest. I don't mean term deposit. I mean a fixed interest asset, which is a diversified portfolio of um, defensive assets. Um, If cash keeps falling, they continue to go up in value. Um, I'd also remember that, obviously, you, you don't need to take all of your income during the year, if you want to leave some money in your super fund and hold off taking a pension, remember that you don't have to take it on an ongoing basis. As long as you draw your minimum pension payment out of your super fund by 30 June, you've met your requirements. So this is where a really good strong income stream will help underpin values because you should limit the need to be able to sell things. A unitised fund may come under pressure in these environments if you're in pension phase and we see sustained losses in value because you've got to sell units to be able to then fund lifestyle. So just understanding what you have is very important. Um, Don't be emotional. Don't panic. And if you want to talk to somebody, come and have a cup of tea. Um, Well, that's the bottom line, isn't it? The message today is don't panic. And if you want more information, go and have a cup of tea with Luke. And you can do that by calling this number. Yeah, it's 0262604749. So, you know, if you're unsure, just come and have a chat. I don't care if you're not even a client. Just sit down, come and have a chat, have a cup of tea and and, and have some peace of mind because at the end of the day, that's all somebody like me is here to do is try to help you live the way you want to live with the assets that you have and have that peace of mind of going to bed and knowing that you're not waking up at three in the morning in a cold sweat because something's happened that we can't control. Luke, we're out of time. Thanks very much for dropping in. We'll talk to you again next week. See you next week. Luke Smith from Envision Financial.